This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sunday night service. As you can see, a little more laid back tonight, but I want to get into a Bible study here in a few minutes that is just something that I've encouraged uh, especially our men's meetings and stuff with before, but I believe it's something we all need to hear right now in this unprecedented time that we're living in. It's interesting. So let's pray, and we're going to start the service here. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, so much for all that you're doing in our lives right now, God. And, and we know that what the devil thought would derail the churches, what the devil thought he could use to bring us to a stop, Lord, it's only furthered our reach. It's only made us that much more determined to serve you, God. And so we thank you that we're coming out of this soon and we're coming out of it strong in the name of Jesus. Everybody said Amen. So the title tonight is this excuses, excuses, because I know that there's a lot of people that are, believe it or not, really good at making excuses. And especially in a time like this, you know, when we could be using the extra time we may have, some of us may have uh, the extra time that's available to draw closer to God. Another person right beside, right beside you may be using the time to say, well, it's too hard to dig in closer to God right now. And so what I'm saying is this. We can either make excuses for why we're not growing or we can use this opportunity to grow, get stronger and actually do something for God. So it's all up to you right now. But excuses, excuses. And a lot of times when I'm leading the men's meeting, we'll ask this question. What separates the men from the boys? And one thing that I found out is that as a grown man, you are not afforded as many excuses as when you were a little boy. You know, sometimes you could, you know, say uh, you ask your kid, hey, who got into the cookie jar? And they've got chocolate all over their face and, and they're not going to own up to it. And they, they may, well, my brother made me do it or my sister did it. And that's just an excuse. And it's so obvious to everybody else that that's not the truth. So I'm encouraging us to let's harness ourselves here and let's take advantage of a golden opportunity for growth to learn more about the word of God and get closer to God Almighty, all right? So excuses, excuses. One thing that Benjamin Franklin said that I that really sticks out to me right now is he said, he that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. He that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. And I find that to be absolutely true. <laughs> so we're going to get into a few points here tonight, and I encourage you to take notes, follow along the best you can. And I believe we're going to build you up and encourage you tonight, all right? And, and at least see where we could be better. So the first thing we're saying is this about excuses, excuses. Number one, don't play the blame game. Don't play the blame game. You know, our brother Adam kind of started this whole game of blame way back in the beginning of time. And, uh, the, you know, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 12. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 12. And God confronted Adam after the forbidden fruit was eaten. He confronted him, and Adam comes back with about the lamest excuse that I have ever seen, ever. And he says this, Genesis 3.12, the man replied, It was the woman 
that you gave me who gave me the fruit and then I ate it. And so Adam right here, he goes for a double dip. He blames Eve and he has the audacity to blame God. He's like, hey, don't look at me. The woman gave me the fruit and you gave me the woman. And so right from the beginning of time, mankind has played the blame game. And it's a it's a it's a pitiful thing to look at because Adam was standing right there. When the serpent talked to her back in verse 6, he's standing right there watching this whole thing, and he does nothing to stop it. And one thing that I can say with certainty is that blaming others is a sure sign of immaturity. Blaming others is a sure sign of immaturity. And you can't truly expect to mature and grow as a Christian if you're constantly looking for somebody else. To blame. And that's something that I can tell when someone's growing and maturing in their faith when they finally start owning up to some things, when they finally start recognizing some things without constantly trying to find somebody else to blame. A really great verse is Proverbs 28, verse 13 in the Living Bible. Proverbs 28, verse 13, Living Bible says, A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. So right there we have it. The word of God tells us a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. And one thing that I'll point out is that a lot of times we not only blame other people, there are times when we blame the devil and it wasn't actually his fault. Now, I fully recognize and fully uh, believe that the devil is the source of evil. He is always bad. He always does bad. But a lot of times, as much as he would like it, we give him credit for some things that simply weren't him. Maybe it was just a straight-up lack of our self-control. I can't scarf down four pounds of hot wings and say the devil made me do it. As much as he would love to take the credit for cause, you know, for my bad, poor decisions. Every now and then, it wasn't actually him, and it was simply a lack of maturity on our part, or it was just our own lack of self-control. So a lot of times, most of the time it is him, but when it comes to the blame game, there are occasions when it wasn't actually him, and we were just dealing with a lack of self-control or immaturity on our part. That's something to consider. As much as he would love to take the credit, oftentimes we are giving him credit for something he didn't actually do. So if we're going to grow up, if we're going to mature and just quit doing the excuse game, we got to quit playing the blame game. And another thing is point number two, we can't make excuses for sin. We can't make excuses for sin. I know there's a lot of people that are afraid to talk about sin. I'm not afraid to talk about sin because I've dealt with it. You've dealt with it. We've all dealt with it. And it's something that by the grace of God, we got to overcome. And uh, and so I know that every one of us at some point or another in our life have made excuses for our sin. You know, like Adam back there. Hey, the woman made me do it. And then you're the one that gave her to me. So really, who's to blame here? We've all done stuff like that and made excuses for it. And uh, that doesn't mean it's okay, though. Just because we all sin, that doesn't mean it's okay to keep doing that and that we shouldn't be trying to correct those things. You know, we can't we can't be full of rage and go out and and beat somebody and curse them out and and act all crazy and say, well, you know, nobody's perfect. So, oh, well, 
That's no excuse. Of course nobody's perfect. But that doesn't mean we can just go out acting like fools, right? And so, so many people are trying to make excuses for their sin instead of trying to find ways to correct it through the grace of God. Now, Galatians 6, 5. Let's flip over there. Galatians 6, verse 5. Uh, is a pretty hard-hitting verse, but I stumbled across this several years ago, and it kind of helped me put an end to a lot of the excuse-blame game. Galatians 6, verse 5, New Testament, says this, For we are each responsible for our own conduct. We are each responsible for our own conduct. I'm not responsible for what you do, but I'm definitely responsible for what I do. And I can't control how you treat me, but I can control how I respond to the way you're treating me. I can't control your actions, but I am responsible, according to the word of God, for controlling my own actions. We are each responsible for our own conduct. And I realize that we all have different areas we struggle in. There's no doubt about that. We all have different areas we struggle in. But when we stand before Jesus, okay, because that day is happening. We've been talking about this on Wednesday nights. When we stand before Jesus someday, when we stand before him on judgment day, do you really think that he's going to say to you, well, I, I know, brother, you struggled with lust your whole life and I, I, for that reason, I can't hold you accountable for cheating on your wife all those times. Nobody's perfect. Come on into heaven, buddy. I don't think that conversation is going to go that way. You are responsible, whether you struggle with lust, whether you struggle with anger, whether you struggle with whatever it is. In the end, we are responsible for our own conduct. And that's something that we need to take seriously. And, and instead of trying to find ways to excuse it, we need to find ways through the word of God to overcome these things. So don't play the blame game, number one. Number two, don't make excuses for sin. And number three, don't make excuses for laziness. Now, I'm certain that this is not a popular topic to discuss, and I can see our Facebook feed, maybe when I threw out the lazy word, maybe our Facebook numbers are going way down right now. And hey, that's fine, but we're going to discuss this for a minute. Proverbs 20, verse 4. So, Proverbs 20, verse 4, and I'm going to read this in the New King James. Proverbs 20, verse 4, and man, Proverbs has a lot to say about some of these topics, such as laziness. But Proverbs 20, verse 4, it says, The lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. So this lazy guy made an excuse, like, well, I can't go out there and plow right now. It's winter. It's too cold. But then come harvest season, he's asking you for your harvest. He's asking you for your money, for your resources, for the stuff that you worked for. And... I mean, how many people do we know like that? Granted, there are people that have maybe some massive disadvantages or or legit hardships or disabilities. I mean, we, we're not talking about that. But what I am talking about is there are plenty of able-bodied people with just as much opportunity, resources, maybe even more than what you and I have, and yet... They just don't want to get up and go plow because it's not the right time or they're not in the mood. They don't have the feels at the moment. But sure enough, when it comes harvest season, 
they're in the mood then to eat. They're in the mood to to have some money and some resources then, but they're going to have to take take it off of you. So laziness may seem like a funny, silly topic, but honestly, honest to goodness, it's not a, a funny, silly topic. It's a serious thing. And the reason it's so serious is I don't know anybody that's only lazy in one area. Like, well, this guy's... You know, he he may be lazy at parenting, but he's a, he's a great over here in this area. Or, or this guy, he's lazy when it comes to the things of God, but boy, he's he's just excellent over here. Laziness will leak in to every area of your life. You show me somebody that's just absolutely lazy over here, sooner or later, they're going to become lazy in every single area. And that's a, man, that's a bad thing to look at, a lazy person. Proverbs 26, let's look at this. Proverbs 26, verses 12 through 16. Proverbs 26, verses 12 through 16. It says, there is more hope for fools than for people who think they are wise. I mean, come on, there's a lot of people that think they are wise, but they're not fooling us. We understand that they are not wise. But look at verse 13. The lazy person claims there's a lion on the road. Yes, I'm sure of it. There's a lion out there. As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in bed. Lazy people take food in their hand, but don't even lift it to their mouth. Lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. Now, every one of those verses, I'm, I mean, I can, I can, I can get so much out of every single one of those things right there. I mean, a lazy person claims, oh, there's a lion on the road. Well, what that means is lazy people make really silly excuses. Come on, there's not a lion out there on the road. You're just saying that because you don't want to get out there and put your hand to something. That's an excuse, and that's exactly what I'm talking about tonight is excuses, excuses. But notice this, verse 16 we just read, it says, Lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. Do you know anybody like that? I feel like I know a lot of people like that, that they are very apparently lazy to everybody around them, but they're sitting there on the couch trying to tell the president how he should run the country, trying to tell the pastor how he should run the church, trying to tell whoever how they should be doing stuff, and here they are on the couch. I mean, you know, and we, I play fantasy football with a lot of the guys from church here and we have a good time with it. It's a blast, but it's a, just a stereotypical thing of guys. We sit here on the, we're sitting there on Sundays, right? Cletus, right? Tony, right? Nick and, and Rob and all, all of us, Jose, Josh, we'll sit there on the couch on Sunday and we're telling those NFL players exactly how they should be doing their job. When in reality, I'm sitting in a recliner eating hot wings. I'm not out there getting paid $40 billion to play football. Why is that? Well, they did, they went through a lot more than I have. They've got the talent. But I promise you that these guys have worked harder at football than I have. I really have no business telling them how to run the team and how to play football. But lazy people, all right, I'm not calling me and my bros lazy here, but don't you know it that there are lazy people in this world that they think they're smarter than everybody else, but really they look like a fool. They're sitting there fully able-bodied. They could totally hold a job. They could totally be 
contributing to society, but they're not doing it. And they're telling everybody else how they should run their lives. They're telling the president of the United States. They're telling the mayor. They're telling whoever how they should be doing things. Well, you know what they ought to do over there is this. And really, you look like a fool when you're acting like that. And excuses have put us there. And I, you know, just to, for just another minute here, discuss the lazy topic because I'm starting to have a little bit of fun with this. Uh, as a society, We've become quite spoiled and lazy. I think about a lot of the things we do. How about, you know, you text somebody in the other room of the house because, I mean, maybe even the same room because you don't want to turn your head and tell them something. It's a lot easier. You're already on your phone. I'm, well, I'll just text them and then, hey, can you go get me this? Go heat me up a hot pocket. Whatever the case is, come on, man. And, and it's silly, but we are quite enabled to be able to do some pretty lazy things. And George Washington Carver, the great inventor, uh, the man that God gave hundreds of uses for the peanut, alright, great inventor, George Washington Carver said 99% of failures come from people who have a habit of making excuses. 99% of failures come from people who have a habit of making excuses. Now, that's obviously not a solid scientific number, but I think that's pretty accurate. So much of the failure, so much of the underachieving that we see in our day and age, it's just people that are really good at making excuses. And so some of us struggle with procrastination. And, you know, ladies, I just want to give a shout out to you. Listen, if your husband said that he would fix something around the house, he'll get to it. There's no need to remind him every six months, right? All right, well, that's a joke, but it, either way, <laughs> it's the truth. We got to quit procrastinating on things we know we got to do. I know during this coronavirus madness that we've all been living with, there's been a lot of things that this has forced me to do that I should have done a long time ago. And I, I've talked to so many pastors and different people that there's a lot of things that we could have been doing a long time ago with technology and stuff that this just kind of forced us to do it because we had to. And sometimes that's how we make change in life is because we have no other choice. But wouldn't it be great if we just started getting some things done without being pushed to the edge? And, well, we have no choice. Now we have to do it. It'd be great if we could start getting some things done in our life without having to be pushed into that. All right. And so I remind you procrastinators of a great bumper sticker I saw. And it said this procrastinators of the world unite tomorrow. Well, let's not wait till tomorrow. Let's get some stuff done now. All right. And the fourth thing that I'm going to say is this, kind of bringing it all down to this. Because if we become an excuse person, it's going to leak into this. Point number four, don't make excuses for not serving God. You know, it's easy to make excuses for this and that and and just flat out being lazy. But that's going to leak into your spiritual life. And eventually we become experts at making excuses for not serving God. And I heard of a church one time that they decided to host a no excuse Sunday. And I'm like, well, what's that? They, they hosted a no excuse Sunday. And what they did is they created a service where they got rid of every possible excuse that people use. 
for not wanting to come to church, come to God's house. So for people that were always just too tired to come, they set up a bunch of beds in the back where, hey, you know what? Just come in, and if you're too tired, you can sleep right there. At least you're in God's house. Or for people that were always just not feeling up to come and they don't feel too sick, they hired an ER doctor to be on the premises, ready to go, in case you just got too sick to be there right then. For those that were just too hungry or, or, or too tired, they provided food and coffee for that Sunday. Uh, for those that just couldn't ever be there because they couldn't miss the big game. They set up TVs in the lobby. Hey, just get here to God's house and we'll get rid of every excuse. And what happened was this. They proved their point exactly. What happened is what they knew would happen. All those people they catered to that day still didn't show up. Why? Because they were just making excuses the whole time. They didn't want to be there truthfully because I found this, that there's some people that make excuses for not serving God and well, this came up. And then there are people that they will excuse themselves from every other distraction so they can serve God. Well, I know the big game's on today, but really I've got to get into God's house. I've got to be around God's people. And I know this much, when this quarantine is over, I expect to see a whole lot of people gathering together with the family in God's house because we're starting to see right now what happens, man, It how much we miss each other. Reminds me of the old 80s hairband song, Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone. And I think a lot of people that they didn't realize how awesome it is to be together with the family in the house until it's temporarily been taken away. And I'm loving these TV broadcast and stuff, but man, I miss my family. I can't wait to see you guys in person again. And so, one last verse for tonight, 2 Corinthians 5.10 in the New King James. We're talking about not making excuses for our failure to serve God. 2 Corinthians 5.10, New King James, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And so we're all going to stand before God someday. There's there's not going to be any getting out of that. Everybody, listen to me, everybody will stand before God at some point. And when we get there, none of our lame excuses are going to work. Well, God, I know you were telling me to do this, but man, you knew how tired I was down there. Or Man, God, I was going to do this, but you knew how I just wasn't in the mood. I had this going on and this guy was mean to me and that girl, she always held me back in life. Man, stop. We're going to stand before Jesus and no excuse is going to work. I want to hear him say, well done. Good and faithful servant, not, well, you're done. Come on in, but man, you barely made it in. That's not what we want to hear. My goal isn't to just barely slide into heaven, just barely get there. I want to get there and Jesus say, man, I'm proud of you. You did what I asked you to do. Come on in and celebrate with me. That's the goal. Not the bare minimum, but to get in and have pleased Jesus. And so a verse just for quoting purposes, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. If I'm seeking God's kingdom first, all the extra stuff, it's going to be added unto me. I'm not going to have to go begging the world for it and, and, and kissing their feet. 
Jesus is going to get it to me. Amen. So that's a perfect time to kind of slide into our Sunday evening tithes and offerings right now. I'm closing out this service. and But before we do, we're going to get into our Sunday evening tithes and offerings. And again, I'm so encouraged by the faithfulness we've seen. You know, I've seen on, on Facebook, I, I didn't go out there and ask people for this at all. But people from our church and from churches all across the nation all across the nation, Christians saying, you know what, I got this stimulus check and that's increase that God brought to me. And I just, I'm, I'm going to tithe off of that. I'm going to I'm going to give God a, 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 a tithe of that because that's just an extra blessing. And so, I mean, that that's cool, man. If that's what you're that's what I'm doing. I'm tithing off of that. Katie and I are. But I think that's super cool that people have such faithful hearts that they want to do that. That's absolutely an incredible thing to look at. And so I want to uh, challenge us with the verse tonight and encourage us with it. And we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And it's a verse that we've looked at at offering many, many times. Uh, but 2 Corinthians 9, starting at verse 6, it says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Come on, somebody. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Don't do it because someone twisted your arm. That's not the way to give. For God loves a cheerful giver. And so, man, I'm going to be a cheerful giver, just like the people I was just mentioning there with my tithes and my offerings. I want to be a cheerful giver. Amen. So let's say this financial faith confession together and uh, then we're going to close out the service. All right. I say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, Checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, binding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to give generously in the kingdom of God, to take good care of my family, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I realize that I bombed a few words there, but don't judge me. You guys love me. Amen. And with that being said... Let's go ahead and say the Barstow Faith Confession. We're going to close every service out just like this because we love Barstow and Jesus is doing some great stuff. Let's say this together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody. And I encourage you to like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube so you can stay connected. Love you guys. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 